Welcome to season four, Fostering Change, the number one podcast in adoption and foster care. You know, each week we speak to the most amazing good humans about topics that touch each and every one of us. If you have a guest suggestion or interested in sponsoring our podcast, please visit us at fosteringchange@comfortcases.org. Now, sit back, enjoy, learn, get motivated, and let's speak to some fascinating guests. Well, you know, it is so hard to believe that we are already in season four. I remember in season one when it ended, I was like, yeah, I think I've done this and it's fun and I'm not going to do it again. And then two came around and then three came around and now it's four. And I'm telling you, I'm so energized. I am energized because of how many people have reached out to truly say that by listening to this podcast, it really has educated them. And that's what it's all about. It's also given us opportunities to tell our story. You know, I remind people all the time, each and every day, each and every one of us have a story. And no matter what that story is, it can impact someone's life just like my next guest. You know, um, I actually was very lucky that someone actually introduced me to my next guest and said, I think you need to know this guy. Well, little did he know that I started stalking him on social media because I was trying to find out exactly, you know, who he was, but then, this came in the mail. And this was this was truly changing for me. As you all know, you know, my story and and you know my memoir that's been out there. And and I've read a lot of books. And I will have to tell you, I have stacks of them that I'm still trying to get through. And I will tell you that there is not all books I recommend. Sorry, some of you writers, but this one is truly a changer because it opened your eyes on so many. So um, without further ado, um, Cody, welcome to Fostering Change. Well, thank you. And thanks for that amazing introduction. I'm really happy to be here. So Cody, I want to really just jump right into it. So first of all, you and I have such a similarity in our story. It was absolutely wicked weird for me okay i just want to tell you okay. so uh, the first thing i want to start out with the fact that you are a hairdresser i am because so my husband's a hairdresser been a hairdresser for over 20 years um, i didn't know that yes yes you know he my husband actually has his, his master's in interior design but for the whole way he got through college was working for aveda and when i, I worked for aveda i know yeah. <laughs> When That's I met so my crazy. husband 18 years ago, he was working for Aveda in Georgetown. And so before we had our children, you know, and he was still, he was going to school to get his master's in interior design. He was a hairdresser. So I have to first have to talk about that topic because you do hair for some amazing people. I'm very lucky that in that sense that they let me do their hair. <laughs> gosh you know I truly do find that you know when I before I met Reese I just you know I just thought going to the barbers was just something that was I just did but what I found out is that it truly is it's a piece of art and you know knowing the coloring and the low lights and highlights listen I even know I even know the, I love it <laughs> I even know the terminology you know to to, to have the lowlights and the highlights and all the length and how it shapes your face and stuff like that. So I have to tell you a little secret, okay? Okay. My husband doesn't cut my hair. Right. So 
so I don't cut his hair either. <laughs> so, so my kids, all five of our kids, my husband cuts their hair, but my husband and I realize that we have a better marriage when if he doesn't cut my hair because I'm too picky and I want it cut too often. I love, yeah, that's the thing. A lot of times they have you do it like once a week. I'm like, you know, it's allowed to grow. <laughs> no, no, that's what Reese says to me all the time. And I want mine cut every other Monday. And so, you know, I definitely listen, I am so unbelievably impressed with, you know, changing the stars, your memoir, I need to let our listeners and viewers know, I mean, I have to tell you, this book was very raw to me, it was, you truly opened up yourself in ways that as someone who's written a memoir, you know, you didn't leave anything out. You know, I really want to know how that felt when you sat down and started writing that. Well, I love that. I felt extremely vulnerable, which I'm not unfamiliar to being vulnerable. So it wasn't too scary for me. And once I made set my mindset that what I was about to do could possibly help others and many others, then that helped fuel me. So that just, I just shed the vulnerability and just let it pour out. And I just thought if I'm going to do this, I've got to say it all and do it all because what I'm doing is reaching out to those people who still identify as a victim, who don't know how to dig their way out of their current mindset. And what I'm doing is trying to help them rise up and heal and, and do the work and choose happiness. So for me, sitting down and being scared to put my story was overshadowed by the mission and by what I wanted to do with my story. Yeah. You know, the fact is, is that, you know, as I was saying, there's so many similarities of your story and my story. You know, the first thing that really pulled me in and was the sexual abuse that you went through, you know, and as myself as well. And being a gay man, that was my biggest fear when I first, you know, in my, I remember being in my late teens and realizing that I was different and I wanted to blame it on the fact of, you know, all of the, the rapes that had happened as a young boy. Did that, I mean, that was, had to be something that you thought about. I did think about that. And I've been asked that many times, but you know, my answer to that is, that, well, the direct question usually is, do you think you're gay because you were molested by men when you were young? And my first thought is, you know, everybody wonders if they were born gay or if it was nature versus nurture. You had an overbearing mother if you were molested or some people are molested. They turn out to be very promiscuous. Some people are molested. They turn out to be pushing away. And so my thing is, I think that I am gay 100 percent. And that's all that matters. I love myself, who I am, how I got here doesn't matter. I love exactly who I am. So oh I don't care how I got here. I'm a big I love, I absolutely <laughs> love that. I absolutely love that. I'm going to have to remember that, by the way, because, you know, you're, that's exactly how I feel too, is that, you know, but I'm also one of these people that I don't wear gay on my sleeve. So I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just Rob and I'm a dad. And, you know, and to me, that is more important than someone having to say, well, oh, that's gay Rob, you know, or yeah. the gay dad or, you know, so, you know, the fact is you were in the army. Briefly, yeah. briefly out of the army. I did. I did a Navy briefly. I did the Navy, okay. but the army was a little bit too manly for me. So I'm very, very impressed that you did. Not enough color. <laughs> Absolutely love that. I love that. So when you wrote your memoir, 
some of the things that that as a, as I was reading in there, I really truly thought about the fact of what you were trying to get across to people who. And one of the things as you just brought up, and I want to really talk about this, is that whole victim mentality. You know, um, for me as a public speaker, you know, I travel the country, I talk to kids all over who are in the system, and I see that quite often is that that victim mentality instead of helping to change the system, they want to blame the system. What would you tell yourself if you looked back and was able to speak to that boy who at one point we all felt like we were a victim? What would you say to him? Oh, I love that one too. These are the best questions. Okay. So one of the biggest tools I had that helped me is actually going back in my mind and speaking to five-year-old Cody or seven-year-old Cody. And I go back and I say, you know what, buddy, you're strong. You're going to be okay. You have an amazing future ahead of you. And, and it's not too late to heal that Cody. That Cody's not gone. He's still in here, you know? So for me to go back and speak to my younger self is a very powerful tool. So what I tell that Cody on a daily basis is you are enough. You are more than enough and you are so strong and you're going to make it. But I think that one thing that I didn't do as much as I should have is reach out to those that were reaching out to me. I didn't listen. I was scared. I was scared that those people that are reaching out to me that I couldn't trust them. I couldn't grab their hand. That that wasn't it. But knowing knowing mankind more so now, I realized that I could have reached out to those hands and I would have been perfectly safe. But not to so to answer your question, what I could say to the younger Cody that I haven't said yet is reach back. Uh. You have an army behind you. There's an army behind you. Well, you know, you know, kids like you and I who have either been in the system, grew up in the system, dealt with the trauma that we've dealt with. We actually suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, twice the rate as our combat veterans who are coming back from the front line. And I Which is the reason I was taken out of the military was from PTSD. Yeah. They say you already have it. You showed up with it. Yeah, you showed <laughs> up with it. And that is so, do you know, for me, you know, I think my therapist that I talk to every single Monday, it's made my life better. I'm a better dad because of it. I have a better marriage because of it. I have a better work environment because of my therapist. Tell me about what you feel about the therapy. There's no downside to therapy. I mean, there's no downside to any form of self-betterment or self-improvement. And, you know, I think that uh, one of the biggest ways that we can overcome our past is, is we have to see our triggers and we have to see our patterns. We have to see our triggers and our patterns. And all of those things are linked all the way back to things back then. So, I mean, they came from somewhere. We didn't, we weren't born with triggers and, and these right. things. So, so I think that um, doing counseling or any form of therapy can help you dig up the root of the problem and once you trace that all the way back and you find that root it's funny how it just kind of magically disappears you you do that work you do that legwork you do that healing and poof it's gone you know, I have to agree with you on that. And the fact is, as I was just getting ready to ask you about the triggers, because even for me, I'm 55 years old, you know, and I still have to prepare myself for when I know those triggers are going to happen because they still do. Listen, everybody, um, I'm going to tell you right now, Changing the Stars, a memoir. I really, this is, this is one of my books of the year. Okay. And as you all know, 
the shears. When you come here, I've got about six or seven books that I just always keep. Guarantee you, this will be the book that will be here that I'll refer to. You want to talk about resilience. You hear me say that word quite often. This is truly the book that's going to show you the resilience. I'm going to have the link here for everybody to be able to order that. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that inspires our communities to bring hope and dignity to our youth that are in foster care. For just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Case mission and help us eliminate trash bags for kids who are entering foster care. For every $10 that you give, Comfort Cases will give a Comfort XL to a child entering the system. Be part of the change. Visit comfortcases.org. Well, you know, like always, it's another amazing conversation. Oh my gosh. I'm going to tell you something. I am probably one of the luckiest people in the world. I say that not just because of the fact that I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids, but you know, I get to do what I love to do every single week. And that is to talk to people that actually become my friends because their story just absolutely moves me. You know, the first half of fostering change today, Cody, we really got to know of who you are now. You know, the fact that you are an amazing human, first of all, let's get that out of the way. Number two, you are a husband, you are a hairdresser to, I want to say, I want to say to the stars, because you know, and by the way, you know, we both are from DC at the same time. So that was a little bit, yes, that, yes, you were actually- you actually you you come to DC as well. I told I'll you be there that tomorrow. I, I tell you, I told you that I stalk you. I, love I it. literally, <laughs> I literally lived 15 minutes and Reese worked at the DC Aveda. And I lived in DC for 20 years. So, but you know, but there's said <laughs> you're going, wow. Oh, know? yeah. I've been working there for seven years. That's crazy. That's crazy. So listen, we I'm have sorry, a lot. 17 we- years. So I'm going to tell you, I think our paths have crossed and we don't even know it. But you know what? You and I have a lot in common. But the thing that I want to talk about, you know, in your, you know, memoir, Changing the Stars, um, I want to know how did you get to here? Well, I mean, to sum up my story, it's basically a homeless to Hollywood. So I guess that's a valid point i chose it i chose it with every breath i took i chose happiness and and i think that's the biggest message in my book whatever happiness looks like to you happiness is obviously a state of mind and if you are not happy i always say if you're not happy with ten dollars in your pocket you're not gonna be happy with ten million dollars in your pocket if you're not happy with very little to your name you're not gonna be happy with you know happiness is a choice you make every single day no matter how big or small that choice is so i think my biggest message in my book is choose happiness. You're, you're choosing something. You might as well choose happiness. You're choosing something every day and find out what that is because there's no downside to choosing happiness. And, and my book isn't just a, what was me. It's not just about what happened to me. It's also kind of a self-help book and, and teaching you how to overcome and, and not identify as a victim anymore. And at a certain point, you're only a victim of yourself if you're not doing the work. So you have to choose. Ha- you have to choose happiness. Otherwise, you're not surviving and you're not living. 
Right. And I truly do believe that. I believe that so much of our life is about choices that we make. You know, I remind people that in foster care, I truly believe that we have three choices. Choice number one, we give up. You know, suicide was something that, you know, we know it's a high rate within our foster care system. Choice number two, you give in. You commit that crime. You go behind bars. Right now, 72% of our death row inmates were actually in foster care. Or three, you actually actually take the give it all you got and that's the choice that you make so when you say choices i wholeheartedly believe that cody that it's it's so much about the choices that we seem to make and choosing happiness you know something you just said though is you you said whether you have ten dollars in your pocket or 10 million you know if you're not happy you truly are not happy within your inner self do you believe that any of that happiness that you were able to now rejoice in came from the fact of also forgiveness happiness definitely came from forgiveness but forgiveness was never a struggle for me forgiveness i think i learned from a very early age even like very, very early. And while I was being abused, I remember looking in my abuser's eyes and thinking, hurt people, hurt people, that this person is broken. So for me, forgiveness was never a fact. I just recognized that the people that were hurting me were already broken. And so forgiving them or not forgiving them never factored into it. I just recognized that was a broken person who needed to be healed. So I moved on. I needed to heal myself. So I didn't have, I didn't need to worry about whether I'm forgiving them or not, because that's just poison, just not forgiving or, or even having to contemplate that. You just have to let it go. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. I, I truly believe that forgiveness is to gather the strength back to yourself and not for the person that you're forgiving. It has nothing to do with them. You know, with nothing them. to do with them. You know, I have to tell you, I'm the youngest of 10 kids. And so all of my brothers and sisters, you know, we were scattered. Most of them are, are passed away because of the, of the system. But I have a sister that I am very close to. And when I first started to read, your book I saw that you dedicated your book to your sister yes and you know as we wind down this this amazing conversation I want you to tell me what does your sister mean to you oh wow well I mean my sister for those who haven't read my book or know anything my sister literally when my mom my mom was a prostitute we were homeless living under bridges anything that had a roof and my and she would disappear she was strung out on drugs and she would just disappear my sister who's three years older than me had to find food, had to change my diapers, not only mine, my two younger brothers. And we had an older sister who was mentally unstable that needed a lot of extra attention as well. So my sister, Sue, is my hero. And, I, and it was a no-brainer to dedicate this. She kept me alive. I mean, what do you do to, for someone who kept you alive? And not only kept me alive, but encouraged me in every possible way ever, just like a mother, anyone should do that loves you. Yeah, I absolutely love that when I saw the dedication and then reading the book and seeing the bond and, and just how, you know, and I think each and every one of us, you know, we crave that mother figure, that mother connection. And I felt like Sue truly gave you that when you needed it. And I she and still it, does. Yeah, I truly believe that I, you know, she's your biggest fan, your biggest critic, I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I guarantee you. Listen, Cody, it has been an absolute pleasure. I oh am God. so, so excited. I am excited for people to get out and read this book. As you all can see, I have my little stickies. You know when I have stickies on a book, you know what that means. I absolutely fell in love with it and I highlighted stuff and I just things that I just truly impacts me. And I know that this book will impact you. And so listen, Cody, keep doing what you're doing. By the way, everybody, if you want to, Cody, what, where can people find you at? For, for anywhere. Oh, where Let's show out some social media love. We're I'm on Hair by Cody Reniger on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, Cody Reniger on Facebook. I'm all over the place. Yeah, because, <laughs> because I mean, the fact is, is you're not only a hairstylist, you're an artist, you know, you're an author. I mean, let me tell you something. You got it all wrapped up in it. And by the way, I absolutely love your energy. So can I thank something? Sure. Get to the part where I mentioned the black trash bags in my book. Yes, I'm so on board. I'm coming back to this podcast because we have a lot more to do. Oh my gosh, let me tell you something. <laughs> Cody, I didn't even want to touch base on that yet because I want you to be back on my podcast yes. and really talk about more of the similarities, you know, of that whole trash bag situation that we have both lived. And now, you know, with comfort cases, you know, we have delivered over 185,000 comfort cases to all 50 states <laughs> to eliminate that trash bag. And it's people like you that are helping to continue to have the dialogue and for writing amazing books. Listen, everyone, this is so exciting. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. You know, some of the biggest things that you can do for us is number one, leave a comment. Number two, get somebody to listen to this podcast. Subscribe onto our YouTube channel. You want to listen to it on your iPods or your iBuds. You know, we're on Apple and Google and Spotify. You name it, we're there. And it's all because of you. So until next time, continue to do me a big favor. Be a good human. Take care. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.